1: So, Mark, I thought that we could do um, maybe like riff on some of our blog posts that no one ever read and maybe they'd be more fun as podcasts. My mother's read everyone. Actually, my mother hasn't come to think of it. My father has. <laughs> See, even your mother will not read your <laughs> blog posts. From Offscript Media, this is Am I Dying?, a conversational podcast about your symptoms and what to do next. I'm Dr. Chris Kelly. And I'm Dr. Mark Eisenberg. We're doctors who just happen to be close friends, and we're ready to answer the vital question, should you chill out or freak out? Today, we are going to be talking about five of the strangest symptoms that we have ever heard of, and maybe a couple more uh, that jump into our minds while we're talking. You know, it's, it's very hard for doctors to deal with symptoms that are completely outside of their template.
0: Yeah, with you, that's cardiology, right? <laughs> yeah, and, and you too, right?
1: <laughs> I mean, it's true. As a, as a doctor, there's just patterns that you encounter over and over and over and over and over again, and you have in your head an algorithm for dealing with them, and 99% of patients follow your algorithm and everything's hunky-dory, but mm-hmm. sometimes, especially if you're a you know, primary care provider or someone truly on the front lines of dealing with patients with undifferentiated problems, you come across a symptom that is just really weird. I agree, I think. And there's some stuff, you know,
0: they don't really teach people in medical school, you know.
1: So we're going to cover a couple strange symptoms today, uh, which range from strange but relatively common to strange and extremely unusual and we're going to just try to go through how these work and what they can tell us about medicine in general. And hopefully people listening to these, if they ever have them, they won't have to spend months looking for a diagnosis because they'll know right away what's up.
0: I mean, the other thing is, honestly, if you really do have one of these strange symptoms, please speak to your health care provider or see your health care provider. You know, don't just diagnose you based on this podcast.
1: Yes, Well, obviously, that should always be true. This podcast, though interesting and entertaining, is not a substitute for a doctor. Don't say, hey doc, you know what? It's been fun over these past 30 years, but I'm moving on, I have a podcast taking care of me now.
0: And the other thing is when people hear about these awkward or strange symptoms, they're gonna all assume they have every one of them too, right?
1: Yeah. Okay, so let's start with uh, not a symptom, but a saying. Actually, in medicine we have this saying that everyone learns in med school, probably before that, when you hear hoofbeats in a park you don't think of zebras uh i guess this depends a little bit on where you live if you're in the african jungle uh, maybe you would think of zebras why do i get the feeling african listeners rather be in the african <laughs> jungle than listening to this analogy if you were to live near a zoo it might be zebras but in general if you hear of in a park, it's probably a horse and not a zebra. But some of these really are zebras. Some of these are really strange symptoms uh, that we're very unlikely to encounter, but uh, we're going to talk about exactly how they work and why they occur. Okay, so let's start with one that some people may have heard of before, and that's an inexplicable desire to eat ice. That's my favorite one.
0: So, one, I mean, obviously, an in in inexplicable desire to eat ice could just be it's a freaking hot day out there and there's no air conditioning and you just need something cold, right? Indeed. But anyway, this phenomenon which they do but Does teach- that make you want to chew ice when it's cold
1: outside? And we're not talking the crushed ice you know, that you get at the bottom of a fast food soft drink.
0: This is like… Cubes of ice that you're crunching down on. Well, that's true. But you know, they did teach this one in med school to almost anyone because it is like so interesting. The term is called pica, right? There's also another term, isn't there? Pica. Pica? Pica, pica. Pica. Uh, pica. But there's another term too, right? Pagophasia. Yeah. Anyway. Yummy, yummy. But uh, so it basically has taught. So if you have an inexplicable desire to eat ice, also called as pica, did we say, or pica? Pica. Pica. Okay, I have to remember that. Pica could actually mean you're iron deficient. But now we have to explain what iron deficient means, right?
1: Yeah, so iron is an element that uh, occurs in nature, and we get it in our diet when we eat meat primarily. And iron is an essential ingredient in the composition of red blood cells. And so you really need iron to have red blood cells. And if you don't get enough iron, or if you're losing iron, and we can talk about how that happens then your body can't make red blood cells and you become anemic. So in addition to craving ice, you might also feel a little tired, lethargic, maybe short of breath when you exert yourself, and that can be signs of iron deficiency.
0: That's anemia, but there's many different types of anemia, but the one we're concentrating now is when you're actually iron deficient
1: anemia some of the ways in which you can become iron deficient number one if you are having stomach or intestinal problems usually it's something like a gastric bypass where the plumbing has been rearranged and you're not absorbing nutrients as well that can cause iron deficiency far far more common though is that you are absorbing iron but you're also losing it and that's because you're bleeding and the most common cause is that you are bleeding into your intestines and you just don't know it Mm -hmm. So if your stool maybe appears a little darker than usual, there could be blood in there. And over time, that can accumulate and you can become iron deficient. Among younger people, especially, obviously exclusively, among women, you can also have very heavy periods and that can make you lose a lot of blood and become iron deficient.
0: Look, the normal symptoms of iron deficient anemia or any anemia is being short of breath with exertion, tired, like you said, but a strange cyst symptom that some people might have that could be explained by iron deficiency anemia could be, as we said, you have this desire to chomp on ice. And I don't think it's
1: really understood at all why it happens. And, and sometimes it's not just ice. People eat clay, chalk, uh, other wait, 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 that's, not... Not nor-
0: that's not normal?
1: <laughs> Not edible <laughs> substances. Uh, Mark, Mark's sixth grade teacher was always frustrated because the chalk would disappear into his mouth. Yeah, it was delicious. And again, sometimes people do just like ice. And certainly a nice crushed ice is fun to chew on. But if all of a sudden you're just finding yourself eating a lot of ice cubes, maybe consider checking out to see if you're iron deficient
0: yeah especially if it's in the middle of winter right (laughs) that 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 you can actually nicely say to your doctor should i be you know can you check when you do my routine bloods my iron level again that's not iron level isn't normally checked when a doctor sees you for a yearly physical so that you might just say do you mind checking my iron level So since we're
1: speaking of iron, why don't we now go to the opposite end of the spectrum and talk about a weird symptom in which you set off metal detectors no matter what, even when you're naked. Uh, In those common cases where you're walking through the airport buck naked, you walk right through the metal detector and it goes off. Yeah. That's a little weird, right?
0: Well, that is. unless, Unless you have one of those pacemaker defibrillators, right?
1: Well, yeah. So if you, let's say- The older ones, right? Let's assume that you do not have any metal implanted into your body.
0: And by the way- Having a filling, everyone, will not set off the uh, the alarm system. Yes, and, and modern
1: prosthetic joints shouldn't either. Yeah. But let's say you're setting off the alarm system, even though you really don't have any metal on you or, as far as you know, in you. That can actually be, in rare cases, a sign of iron overload syndrome, where your body is retaining too much iron, usually absorbing it in very high levels and retaining it in the cells.
0: I'm going to talk about what that's called. That's called hemochromatosis, because I, I feel a little self-conscious that I can't pronounce things properly sometimes. <laughs> That's a pretty easy one, though. I get, like, no support. So that's hemochromatosis. Never good enough, um.
1: <laughs> that that is a condition where your body stores way too much iron, and, and that iron can accumulate in the liver, can accumulate in the heart. Yeah. And if the concentration gets high enough, it can actually set off metal detectors.
0: Yeah, but that's the least of your problems. And actually, you you would hope that may, maybe we have a few people who actually work at airports that are listening to this, right? Because maybe they should be telling people to go to their doctor if they're setting it off and they can't figure out. Like once you take off your belt and your iPhone or whatever, once uh, you're buck
1: naked standing in the middle of Terminal A and you're still setting it <laughs> I off. They should
0: say, you know something? I think we should check your iron level. I mean, they, they probably wouldn't do it at the airport, but still, they should tell you to go somewhere because actually the least of your problems, if you have this hemochromatosis, will be setting off a metal detector. It actually can be very, 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 very dangerous.
1: Why don't you tell the good people what can happen in this problem? Well,
0: Because iron, there's too much iron in your body. So again, it can go into every part of your body and basically cause you know liver and heart failure. It can make your heart stiff. It can screw up your liver. So, again, it's something that actually, unfortunately, isn't diagnosed so easily, you know, because, again, it's not still part of the routine blood tests on people. But once you know you have it, it's so easily treatable. Why don't you tell them how we treat it?
1: So, actually, it sounds so medieval, but bloodletting is really the main treatment
0: or at least the initial treatment. People are going to think we're putting leeches on their chest. No, you're just going to go and get the blood taken every now and again to get your blood level back to normal.
1: Yeah, so you actually have what's called therapeutic phlebotomy, where they remove red blood cells from your body. And by doing that, it draws iron out of your body. Yeah. Um, there are other treatments too, but that's that's the basic one and
0: the most intuitive. They want to put you. May want to put you on a medication that will also bind the iron. But anyway, it's easily treatable. Uh, you usually your interns will likely send you to a hematologist, which is a doctor that specializes in blood. Uh, you should probably have your eyes checked and all that other stuff. But again, the important stuff is getting diagnosed with that. So again, if you go to Barnes and Nobles and you're setting off the detector, <laughs> <laughs> I don't think those are
1: metal detectors. No, are
0: they just fake or are they really something?
1: I think they're looking for like RFID. I don't know. I have not done research into store anti-shoplifting detectors, but.
0: But yeah, you know, it's interesting. I would be so flattered if someone tried to actually steal our book from Martinobles. <laughs> you would,
1: would just to? love to see somebody with a mugshot and in the details it says.
0: I think that that'd they... be great. I might actually send them a book if they tried to steal it, and we'll, you know, but that's yeah. like, that's pretty flattering, don't you think?
1: Those are RFIDs, by the way. They're not metal detectors.
0: I don't know what that means.
1: It emits radio frequency uh, waves that get picked up by the sensors walking out of stores so you lost me at radio frequency <laughs> <laughs> alright well Mark figures out what that is why don't we take a quick break and we will come right back and talk about a couple more strange symptoms and what they mean stay with us <laughs>
0: Welcome back everyone and actually I'm going to share with you a weird symptom someone suggested they have uh, when I was at a cocktail party like six years ago. They had pasta and they just sort of went total like their arms and legs went total limp. Have you ever heard of that Chris?
1: Okay, so hold on. I need to clarify because normally when I eat pasta, I want to take a nap immediately afterward. Is that what you're talking
0: about? Well, it's because your wife put some Benadryl in your pasta so (laughs) she can shut you up for a few hours.
1: (laughs) Maybe it's just because I really love pasta and it feels great to eat it.
0: No, but you're absolutely right. You have pasta and you're just tired and you have to like unloosen your belt and take a nap and blah, blah, blah. But there is some weird syndrome, isn't there?
1: Yeah, so we're not talking about that. We're talking about where you eat pasta and you actually become paralyzed afterwards. Yeah. Pasta induced paralysis, which is not the name of the condition, but it should be because it sounds much cooler.
0: Would the chef be like flattered if someone becomes paralyzed and they're like, (laughs) and by by the way, how long does this paralysis last?
1: Yeah. So what's going on here, this is pretty uncommon, um, but basically you can have this phenomenon where in response to a large influx of carbohydrates, your body's potassium level goes way down. And because the potassium is so low, the muscles are no longer functioning, and it, it can last for a, a little while, like hours in some cases, and it's called periodic paralysis
0: i mean this is this is so rare, and you know we don't advise any of you trying this to get out of paying the check, but you know, actually, would they charge you, do you think, or do you think the ambulance <laughs> <laughs> what, what would actually happen?
1: You think that they would actually just slap the bill on you as you're being wheeled out by the EMS? And you get
0: to the ER and you're like, oh, you're vital. Your blood pressure's okay. Your temperature's good. And by the way, you owe $28 to like, you know, Sal's pizza down the.
1: Block. That's, that ZD wasn't free. Um, so this is it's an interesting thing. Okay, so thankfully, the paralysis does not affect respiratory muscles, okay? So you, you become weak and maybe unable to move your arms or legs, which is terrifying, but you're not stopping your breathing. You're able to continue breathing. And people are awake. So they're awake, uh, you know, not able to move their arms or legs, getting wheeled out with the uh, olive garden bill slapped on their chest. And what we find is that the potassium levels are extremely low. Uh, and it's usually a temporary phenomenon, and things go back to normal after a little while. But sometimes it has to be treated more acutely. But
0: you know, it doesn't make sense to me. Doesn't the usually tomato sauce have a lot of uh, like potassium in it? So it doesn't even make sense why this would happen. I understand the carbohydrates cause like some weird shift, right? Like a plunge in your body potassium levels. But maybe if you have enough like you know tomato sauce with it, the potassium level should be normal, don't you think? I don't think so. It
1: doesn't have to. Yeah, I mean, there's vegetables and stuff on the pasta that has potassium in it, but that's not the issue. First of all, it happens a lot faster than your stomach processing the potassium, and the the potassium is not exiting your body uh, and causing your levels to become low. It's redistributing into cells, and so no matter how much potassium is in your food that you're eating, you can still become severely hypokalemic, low yeah. potassium level, and it has to do with a actually a a calcium channel in the muscle. And it's not really clear why it happens. I don't think people really understand the mechanism, but it does happen.
0: But it also, uh, it could also happen when someone's exercising, right? Yeah. Exercise can can actually cause the same thing. I mean, this is so, 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 so rare and probably so rare. That's like probably the ER doctors would have no clue what's going on when you get to the ER, don't you think? (laughs)
1: I have actually had patients with this in my practice. Though. No, you haven't. You've been, I only, have.
0: you've been in practice for like 14 months. You really have seen it?
1: <laughs> First of all, I've been seeing patients a lot longer than 14 months. In my current practice, though, where I have been for only 14 months, I have already had a case of this.
0: Really? And really? Did they actually show up in your office in the waiting room having like a meatball sub, and next to you know it, they were like on the like couldn't couldn't. Get there like, you know,
1: no, but they came in with exercise induced weakness. I mean, they weren't fully paralyzed, but they were having uh, arm and leg weakness after exercise. And I guess somebody thought that it might be their heart, but how did you treat them? Well, so when it's happening acutely, you give somebody potassium. No, 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 I know that, but what did you tell them, they
0: can't ever exercise? No.
1: So first of all, I referred them to a neuromuscular specialist to confirm the diagnosis. That's
0: a neurologist in case people, when people say, what's a neuromuscular specialist, do I need one? It's just go to a neurologist to start.
1: There are a couple of medicines that seem like they can sometimes help prevent attacks and you can try them, but... Uh, I don't think that there's anything that really targets the problem specifically. So it's probably some trial and error trying to make sure the attacks don't occur. And, and sometimes you do have to just change lifestyle so that you don't trigger it.
0: Yeah. Imagine being on a first date with someone and running to the restaurant <laughs> drunk they're late and then just quickly eating a few slices of bread and then, that, you know.
1: Maybe if your date is not going well, you can <laughs> feign paralysis after the meal, and then later just say that this is what happened and nothing personal. It wasn't you. It was my calcium channel.
0: (laughs) Okay. So let's talk about another symptom, a symptom when you go into a hot tub, right? And all of a sudden, what happens? You can't see or
1: you can't move. Something happens. So there is a phenomenon where you can have these neurological problems occurring when your body's exposed to high temperatures like in a shower or in a hot tub
0: let's just start off it is somewhat normal especially if you're taking a hot shower and standing up or you're in a hot tub to feel a little little woozy you know For a few seconds because of the steam it causes the you know the temperature change with dilatation of your you know your vessel so i mean that's that's normal so please do not freak out that you have this actual hot tub induced blindness
1: no you can have a second or two of lightheadedness or wooziness or maybe even tunnel vision when you stand up out of a hot tub but that's not what we're talking about we're we're talking about how every time your body heats up uh, you start developing weird things like visual changes or weakness
0: yeah, and by visual changes, even though it's called hot tub-induced blindness, right? I mean, it's really like double vision and weakness and confusion, right?
1: Exactly. So this is actually something called the Utoff phenomenon, and it happens in multiple sclerosis. It's pretty rare that this would be the thing that keys somebody into having multiple sclerosis, but it, it can be a feature of it.
0: Yeah. Um, so- let me ask you, how do you spell this Utoff?
1: Utoff. It's just like my middle name, U-H-T-H-O-F-F. Oh, God, that's really... <laughs> Uh, There's going to be a quiz on this at the end, by the way.
0: A quiz to your parents, why they give you that middle name.
1: So that's this weird thing that happens in multiple sclerosis, where basically whatever issue the multiple sclerosis is causing or is sort of borderline causing can become worse when the body temperature increases.
0: Yeah, although you wonder wonder if the person who actually has that would also have the iron deficiency anemia, because if they have an inexplicable desire to eat ice, you know, that it actually might balance each other, right? They could eat the ice while they're in the hot tub.
1: Right, and then they maybe consume so much iron to correct that problem, they start setting off metal detectors.
0: Yeah, so we're not making fun of people. Please, please, please. We're trying to use scenarios that maybe help, including us, remember all of this.
1: (laughs) I don't know what Mark's doing. So the fifth symptom, let's actually stick with the hot tub theme for a second and talk about a symptom where you feel nauseated, like you want to vomit. And that symptom only gets better in hot baths and hot showers. Mark, do you know what I'm talking about?
0: I do, but you know, actually, I've never even smoked marijuana my whole life, so it's definitely never happened to me. Way to give it away. I did give it away, right? So why don't you tell people what's going on? Well, I, I never smoked marijuana, so how would I know?
1: <laughs> because you read books and articles. <laughs> and you're like, like any cool person, you read about smoking marijuana rather than doing it yourself.
0: I actually, in the great words of Nancy Reagan, just say no.
1: <laughs> did anyone ever offer it to you
0: though no actually it was really funny <laughs> i was actually at this dinner i
1: don't i don't think it counts mark if no one ever offered you any drugs growing up well
0: actually there was a funny story i was actually at this dinner with my co-intern and my friend from high school and i was telling my co-intern that you know nobody in my high school ever smoked marijuana and my high school friend said actually we all did we just never invited you, <laughs> <We> never <laughs> invited you. I, I was like in shock is that like how no <laughs> one
1: ever hooked up in your high school either <laughs> Anyway, why don't you tell everyone what this is all about? No one ever threw parties in your high school either?
0: (laughs) I just figured we all studied all the time.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Wow, this is getting awkward fast.
0: It should have ticked me off that that wasn't the case when I was the only one at the town library on a Saturday night. (laughs) Yeah. Hey, guys, I'm here. Where are you? But look where it got me in life. I'm making podcasts.
1: Yeah. Wow. You really showed them.
0: (laughs) Anyway, why don't you explain what happens?
1: So there's this very unusual phenomenon that I guess is still under-recognized. I just actually saw an article about it, you know, like the New York Times does these medical mystery articles, and it turned out to be this, this phenomenon called cannabinoid hyperemesis syndrome, where people who smoke a lot of pot, and really this means in most cases daily smoking, multiple times a day, maybe even, you become just constantly nauseated and sick feeling. And the only thing that reliably makes it better is a hot bath or a hot shower. And so you have folks who are spending a good portion of their day in the bath, which by the way, sounds amazing. I would love to do that if I didn't have to work.
0: Well, you're already doing the marijuana, so you might (laughs) as well do the other.
1: No, no, no. I just said no, and people (laughs) did offer it. But anyway... So if you have this problem where you're feeling nauseated all the time and you are spending a lot of time in the bath because it makes you feel better and you smoke a lot of marijuana, then there's no more information needed. The diagnosis has been made. You have this. And the only treatment, unfortunately, uh, you're not going to like to hear this if you're this person, is not smoking marijuana.
0: Or smoking marijuana in the bathtub.
1: You could do that. But I think that you're still going to have your problem when you get out of the bath.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, to be honest, there's multiple reasons why people should not smoke marijuana, but this is not your soapbox anyway.
1: So that is a review of some strange symptoms, some uh, that we actually do encounter in our clinical practice. Some we've only read about, but it will hopefully help you understand a little bit more how the body works, uh, why some of these things occur. And if you're listening and you have any of these and you have not had any of the uh, diagnoses associated with it. It's just something you might consider.
0: Yeah, and if actually you do have a weird symptom that honestly took multiple doctors a long time to figure out, please email us or text us. What's the best way people can get in touch with us?
1: Docs at amydying.com.
0: Because we actually would love to hear about it, and we'll even maybe put you on one of these podcasts and have you talk about it so people could really understand in case it happens to anyone they know. Only if you want to. I would love that. We need some guests. Aren't we getting sick of just talking to each other?
1: I know I am. (laughs) Thanks for listening, everyone.
0: If you like the show,
1: be sure to subscribe, leave a review, follow us on social, and tell all your friends to listen. Am I Dying is a production of Offscript Media. Our executive producer is Matthew Zachary. Andrew McDowell is our senior producer. Karen Lee is our production manager. Darren Tun is our production intern. Am I Dying is recorded, mixed, and edited by Ariel Nachman. For advertising and media inquiries, email media at offscript.com. Hit us up at contact at offscript.com to share comments and feedback. For more information, visit offscript.com. One,
0: two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that.